possibly understand the teaching of the saints unless one has a pure mind and is trying to imitate their life. Similarly, anyone who wishes to understand the mind of the sacred writers must first cleanse his own life and approach the saints by copying their deeds, thus united to them in the fellowship of life. He will both understand the saints revealed to them by God. Again, we need a certain status to understand. Of course, it is His work in me, but without humility, without obedience, I will never live this repented life to be able to understand Him. And here, if I'm approaching it with this humble heart, there's two terms maybe quite new to some of you, but let me explain them in a very simple way. The ontological trinity and the economy of the trinity. We'll try to understand both terms and then how you have something to impact my life. The ontological eminent trinity is the being and the essence. What does it mean? I'll give you a simple analogy and then take the other word. I'm sure maybe some of you have heard it before from me. If now you are a science teacher, or a professor of science, and you are asked to, to make a small book for children seven years old, then you need to know what did you learn at this level and what you want to achieve at the end of this academic year. Then you put it in writing in a book. By writing them, you reveal something. What is in your mind is much more than that. What is in your mind is the eminent of you, the ontological being of you. But what you reveal in the book is the economy of you. You reveal what is needed to, this, to those children to learn from age 7 to 8 to advance in their understanding of science. So what is in your mind is incomprehensible. No one can know exactly what you know. So the essence of God is incomprehensible. But what is revealed is the economy of the Trinity. What we have in the scriptures is the economy. The essence, we cannot reach it. It's unsearchable, as the Father said. So the difference is very simple. If you think that this is the unsearchable, untouchable, and this is the revelation that we spoke about it early this morning. So it deals with how the three persons in the one Godhead relate to each other and the world through the divine universe. Again, it's not our imagination. It's how we are relating to each other and how to relate to us through the divine revelation. But this one is unsearchable, not un untouchable as well. Is clear this one? Okay. If you go further, this is a quote by St. Ignatius of Antioch. For some people, the Trinity was invented in the church in the 3rd and 4th century. St. Ignatius is a dialect, and we call him an apostolic father. Apostolic father means he is a dialect disciple of one of the apostles, was a disciple of St. Peter. And he is telling us about the Trinity, and he was martyred in 110. And now we use another term. Again, I'm not complicating it and make it more easy to grasp what the church and how the revelation. We said in the beginning, this morning it's a revelation. Now we are understanding what is revealed. We are not making a revelation, we are understanding what is revealed. That's why St. Paul said in Hebrews chapter 3, by faith we understand. First we believe, 
the revelation, and now we are reading the revelation together. We'll read a new word, perichoresis. And the Holy Trinity, one essence and three hypostases. Let me explain the word first, perichoresis. The word mentioned in the New Testament a few times, it means surrounding places. That Jesus went to the surrounding places. The first one used with the Trinity was Saint Gregory, a theologian, and then explained more by Saint John of Damascus. We'll explain it in more detail, but I'm just giving you the meaning of the word itself. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, there's a very common verse and also controversial verse, and I will tell you why. For three, there are the three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. If you go to any science attack, attacking Christianity by atheists or Muslims, they say this verse is not in the original text. This verse is added by Saint Jerome, who lived at the end of the 4th century, beginning of the 5th century. And it's a lie. The verse is very authenticated, and we have a proof. If you go to letter number 46 by Saint Cyprian, was martyred in the year 256. Paragraph 6 is quoting the same verse as it is. So the claim that Jerome added this verse is untrue. But you'll find it in most of the websites that take Christianity, whether by atheists, sometimes by theologians, and some other times by Muslims, but the verse is mentioned in the by Saint Cyprian and his letter on the unity of the church, letter 46, with the same wording itself. So he's telling us the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And here is something very important we need to get it right. When we see that there are three persons, we think of it as we are three persons. If now I'm saying I'm Michael and Shelley, we are three different persons, three separated persons. But the Trinity is not as such. But let us first know what is a person. When you speak about the person, is someone relational. You can say I for himself, he or she about the other. The New Testament never mentions the word individual. Unfortunately, only after the Reformation, after the humanistic movement, beginning from the 13th century, the word individual started to appear. But in the Christian teaching, the word is not existing at all. They are persons. When Christ created Adam and Eve, they were persons. Why? Because they were relating to each other and relating, relating to God. They have a relationship. Adam said she is flesh of my flesh, and bone of my bones. And he was talking and walking with the Lord. After his fall, he said, the wife you gave me, the woman you gave me, what does it mean? He tended again to, to be an individual. It is not mine anymore. So we speak about a person, Christ created us in a perfect personhood. We lost it and we became individual by our sins. And he is the individual according to Father Persephone, he is one of the church fathers from the 10th century. The individual is growing in a perverted way. He moves towards himself. And please check it. Are you living as a person or an individual? Even in your family, 
you will find sometimes people living as individuals in the same home. He moves towards himself in a selfish, progressive way, which is dominated by the self-love, love anything else, which leads to death. For he takes of himself and gives to himself, and he does not allow any fellowship except when it enriches his selfishness only. This is both Adam and Eve after the fall, and many unfortunately still living in this individual life. Sadly as well, the society is encouraged us to be individual. No, the church is saying, be a person. So we have what we call human nature. But you can't relate to human nature. You can relate to a person from the human nature. That's why the Godhead, we can't rely to the divine essence. As we said, the essence is unsearchable, untouchable. But we can rely to a person. So we are persons of a human nature. I can say I love Shadi or I hate X. I can relate to persons. But I can't say I hate human nature. You are talking about nothing. So God, when He created us according to His image and likeness, He makes us persons with a great difference. If you are three persons, Shani, Michael, and me, you are three persons separated totally. But for God, it is not a, it's not the case at all. How? Let us go back to the very grace. It's in a very simple definition, it's the mutual indwelling of each other. When we think of the Trinity, you believe it's something like this. No, this is not the right image. It's three equal persons, yes, but here is it. Mutual indwelling? Yes, mutual indwelling each other. But here it is. The Son and the Father and the Holy Spirit, three co-equal, distinctive persons in one Godhead. When we think of it in this way, as if you are someone who say in one of the group, parts. No. There are three equal, but mutually inquiring in each other. This is the meaning of the perichoresis. But if you are three persons, you are not in this case at all. That's why when we say, when we speak about the Trinity, it is incomprehensible. We can't say it is like. No. That's why the personhood within the Trinity is different from our personhood. But we are in a total and complete separation from each other. We are called for unity, which is true, but in this, not in this unity. When the Lord said, I in my Father, and my Father in me, here it is. And this circle is the whole universe. It fills every, everywhere. The Father fills everywhere, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Veracruz is the mutual indwelling of each other, and each person is eternal. It's unsearchable. And here we can get it a bit clearer. But now we see what is the difference between our personhood and his personhood? Is it that he should be a person to relate to? We can't relate to the divine essence. We have to relate to a person. This is how he revealed himself. It's not our expectation. It's not our imagination. That's why 
This is my, again, Metropolitan Christus where in his book, very famous book, I wish all of you will, get, will have a copy, the Orthodox way. Each of the three is fully and completely God. None is more or less God than the others. Each possesses not one cell, no partialism, of the Godhead, but the entire Godhead in its totality. Yet each lives and is this one Godhead in his own distinctive and personal way. St. Gregory of Nessa called strange and paradoxical diversity in unity and unity in diversity. Again, it's incomprehensible. But now I'm getting closer to it. He is three persons, but not like we are persons. It's the same meaning of personhood, but it is not the same separation that we have in our life. It is said in a different way. Why we are saying this? Because it impacts my life and your life. The personal characteristics. The Father is the fountain of the Godhead, the source, cause, or principle of origin for the other two persons without any time separation. There was no time that there was a father and then he waited until he put in the sun. No. Eternally the three are equal. They are existing before time. And then the son is begotten by the father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the father. That's why we reject what we call the yoke. Which we mean that the father is, uh, the Holy Spirit is proceeding from the father and the son. We reject it because it's a double position. It makes not two different persons, it became one person. There's the Son, and through the Son, the Father is revealed. That's why when we speak about a person now, it's not a complication. Someone will say, that what I'm praying, to whom I'm praying? I'm praying to the Son, if I will pray to the Son, who reveals the Father to me. And he said, I am the way and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But how I am going to know the Father and the Son? It is through the Holy Spirit. St. Paul said, No one can profess Jesus as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Someone was asking me during the break, What is the Trinity in the Lord's Prayer? We start to say, Our Father. We are talking to the Heavenly Father. And because we are talking Our Father, we are uniting ourselves with the Son. And the very end, we say, Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Where is the Holy Spirit? No one can profess Jesus Christ as Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So there is nothing not treated in the church. The same thing, the Holy Spirit shows us the Son and makes the Son present to us. He will, and then we are quoting the verse we shared last time. He will glorify me because He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Again, the personhood of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is different from our personhood. It is real in its entire meaning, but with no separation. We are separated persons, but the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are not they are mutually indwelling in each other. Still, they are three, but mutually indwelling in each other. And I don't speak to one and ignore the others because we are related too much, as we'll see in a few minutes. The councils are confirming it, all the church councils, and it's one essence or consubstantial for homoousius to work in Greek. It was the three persons never act apart from each other, there is in God genuine diversity as well as specific unity. 
beyond our comprehension. But if you think of it according to the revelation, you will find it very clear. I will believe that this threefold differentiation in God's outward action reflects a threefold differentiation in his eternal life. Are you still with me or too much? Still with me? Okay. So again, let me summarize this more. The church is teaching us we are three persons and one Godhead. But the personhood of the Trinity is different from our personhood. We are totally separate from each other. But they are not three individuals. We know now the difference between a person and an individual. Person is relational. Individual is someone living for himself in his own selfish way. But here is totally different story. So if we see them as three distinctive persons, but mutually dwelling in each other. I in him and he is in me. And because of this unity, is calling us to something different. Let me go with you now. How to live this Trinitarian life? If there are three, and the three having every attribute eternally, all the attributes were eternal attributes. We said in the beginning there was love. In the beginning there was unity. In the beginning there was diversity. And when we say God created man according to his image and likeness, it means we are a reflection to his image and likeness. We are persons called to unity, different from the unity of the Father and Son, not mutually enduring each other, but to the same meaning of the unity. Same love, same everything. The Christian life is the life of God accomplished in men by the Spirit of Christ. So again, it's not something we can take it from one person. Christ came and united himself with each and every one of us to give me this opportunity once more, to be in God's family. Now I'm not separated from the Son, I'm united with him. And through this unity, I'm born by the Spirit of Christ, which is the Spirit of God. Men can live as Christ has lived, doing the things that he did through what? The soul of the Spirit again. And becoming sons of God in him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thus, once more, the Christian life is a Trinitarian life. If you relate to the Trinity in each person in the Trinity and Godhead, then you can live this life how? But before how, let us share that in the words of Father Shkamin in his book, Liturgy and Life. The aim of all the religious teaching in the Orthodox Church is to introduce the child or adult into the church, to integrate him into his life, the life of grace, communion with God, love, unity, and spiritual progress towards eternal salvation, for such are the essential aims of the church. Why have a gap? Because this is not in my mind. I would like to do some rituals. If you want me to fast, I will fast. If you want me to attend the liturgy, I will attend. Doesn't matter from the beginning or the middle. Doesn't matter. But why believe it or not? If you repent and let this life, you don't need to witness to God. You don't need to preach. Your life will be a preaching itself. I'm sure every one of us has met a real Christian somewhere, at work or uni or school. That he, he is a different person, or she is a different person. 
He sent us, it's the essential arms of the church. And here is the testimony of the saints. What does it mean, a testimony of the saints? He said, when we see, speak about the scriptures, it is how explained by the Father, how lived by the saints. The saints of the church are enormously in their claim that Christian life is a participation in the life of the Blessed Trinity in the most genuine and realistic way. When we see someone like St. John the Short and how he lived as the head of the monks and at the same time he was under the feet of everyone. They saw Christ in him without telling them anything about Christ. It is the life of men becoming divine. In the smallest aspects of everyday life, Christians are called to live the life of God the Father, which is communicated to them by Christ, the Son of God, and made possible for them by the Holy Spirit, who lives and acts within them. Do you believe this statement? We can't live. This is our calling. The gap we have is we don't know it, and if we know it, it's too much, too good to be true. But the reality is, this is our calling. We'll see in few ways how we need to apply it in your family, with your husband, with your wife, with your children, with whatever you have, with your colleagues at work, even if they are not believers, even if they are opposing your belief, you still can be Christ-like, showing the love of the Trinity among them. Again, called to live the life of God the Father, which is communicated to them by Christ, the Son of God, and made possible for them the Holy Spirit who lives and acts within them. Let us take the first example. I'm sure every one of us coming from a family or living in a family, whether you're a husband or a wife or a child or a son or a daughter, whatever you are, and manage the unity of the two into one makes the new unity a reflection of the unity of the Trinity and the unity of Christ and the Church. For the family of many persons united in one truth, our love is indeed the created manifestation of the one family of God's kingdom and of God himself, the blessed Trinity. Then we ask ourselves, if we are a family, how are we getting, how are we going to take a decision? We said many times before that every single act related to us from the Trinity is a Trinitarian decision. So the Son didn't decide one day, I'm going to go and die for them. No. Eternally it is a Trinitarian decision. This is how the Church taught us. And then one person went and took flesh and became man. We as a family of four, five, or whatever the number, how we are making our decision, and how we are delegating one person to go and do something. Is it in such love and unity? Was it shameful for the Holy Spirit not to come to the cross and to be crucified? Was any jealousy there? Definitely not. That's why when we say we need to live the oneness of the Trinitarian life, it means we are resembling, we are the reflection, the mirror of the life of our Creator. When He created us according to His image and likeness, this is the image and likeness. 
in our marriage, we need to show that we believe in the Trinity. Otherwise, it's a practical denial of the Holy Trinity. Yes, I'm sure everyone said, no, we believe it. Here is the belief. Even St. James said, if you believe and don't do it, even you are worse than the devils. Because devils believe and tremble. We need to be at the level of those who believe, not only tremble, and enjoy a divine life. He's offering his divine life to every one of us. It's a matter of re-evaluation. Some of us, or some of you, are just still living with their parents. Are you ready to restore the Trinitarian love in your family? Said, I tried before many times, it didn't work. Try again. Never give up. If you are engaged or married, newly married, are you willing to do it with your extended family? Or you are putting it as a stumbling block? No, no way to deal with it. He's telling me again, are you witnessing to a Trinitarian life? Or are you living in a total and continuous denial of the practical Trinity? So if the first thing is in my marriage, I'm sure every one of us can achieve something new and can do something different. Not to have this double life with this gap. We believe it's a Trinity, but we are totally disconnected, disunited within our own family. Repentance and confession. If you see that your repentance is reconciliation with your Heavenly Father. Sometimes, and in many occasions unfortunately, have a great brokenness in our understanding of the fatherhood. Because of our earthly father or biological father. Not because he is bad or intentionally wanted to destroy the meaning of the fatherhood. But just it came to us. For him fatherhood is to give me money. Or for him is to control my life. To be a good father is to control your life. And out of it I am totally distorted. And the meaning of the fatherhood is distorted. Or to be totally careless. So for me the word father is someone who is careless. But our Heavenly Father is totally different. And He's calling you and me for a real restoration. Speak out please to your father's confession. Or maybe you need to speak to a counselor or a Christian psychiatrist or psychologist to tell you it is time to restore the false fatherhood which is in your mind or the false motherhood. The church is still not your mother because the word motherhood is totally distorted again because of my biological mother. Not out of bad sense but the way I as a father or mother portrayed it in the wrong way. And the Vision, once more we renew our new life as sons of the Father through the grace of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, forgiven and reunited into the unity of God in this church. I know many never confessed. I look at it from a far distance. Why? It's out of pride. I don't want to be in this humility. The son humbled himself not to any lie. Even to this, this was a shameful death. The chaos repented. The Bible was insisting that he was a very rich man. But he humbled himself like a child to go above the sycamore tree. He wants to be reconciled. That's why the church calling the repentance and mystery of reconciliation. I need to be reconciled with the head because I broke the commands and with a member of the body. 
I encourage you if you never confessed or you confess every two, three years, it's not a confession. Confession it means a life of repentance. I need always continuously to be connected with my father. The aim is to restore the personhood. Christ came to restore my personhood and your principle. Don't live at individuality. Sometimes it's very obvious, you can see that this person is living this individual life, but he doesn't care. And he sees himself totally perfect, the best person in the world. So repentance and confession is an application. How I'm going to be reunited through the work of the Trinity to the divine and holy family again. The Holy Eucharist. I'm going to have a question. Yes. I'm going back to the fatherhood point. Yes. Uh, some might think, well, if uh, the only model that we had in our sort of parenthood or uh, model in church it has given us a different, a distorted image of a father or a mother. Some might think, is it really possible that through um, hearing about the Trinity or that revelation that one can change completely the experience of fatherhood? Uh, to relate better to the father, because normally people go back to the default system, which is the usual way they have experienced it. Yes, I'll tell you something, and this will explain more to more well. The word mysticism that we want to increase more tomorrow. In can you tell me now we had lunch? After this lunch, how many yani, blood cells you have received from this food? and how many your bones are going to be enriched with what you have eaten today. Can you measure it exactly? You can. But you know you need food to live. To live it means every single thing in your body is going to work in a good way. When we speak about fasting, or prayer, or Eucharist, or repentance, can you tell me after this repentance, or this confession, or this prayer, how much have you been yani, growing in your spiritual life? You can't. That's why the restoration of the fatherhood, there is no, you can say there is only one way to, 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 to restore it. One of them is to know the reality. Second one is the whole system of the church, all means of grace. And then it will be restored. And you need to talk to your father of confession. You might need to speak to a counselor. Fine. But which one is going to do what? You can't calculate it. And it's one of the worst things we do in the church. When I'm coming to my father's confession, expecting something new. Some, the thing that he's going to say is the same thing you, you know exactly. Fast, pray, read your Bible, have communion, make your prostrations, your matanias. The description is fixed. Because the word is mysterious, mystical. God is doing something above your imagination. You can't count it. And sometimes this work is done in a week, sometimes in, in a year, sometimes in years. But we have one thing. It's the truth. It's the revelation. Jesus said to his disciples, this kind can't come out except by fasting a prayer. Can't have the power to cast out demons except by fasting a prayer. What is the relationship between food? eating food, eating meat. What does it mean for the unclean spirit? We don't know. But it's a mystical act. And those who fast a brain were able to cast out demons. Take it or leave it. It's a revelation. It's a mystical act. If you'd like to analyze with your mind, it's nonsense, I'm telling you. If you take it as a divine revelation, it is full of sense above our imagination. 
That's why it's quite easy. People can search dishonoring fasting, dishonoring prayer, dishonoring long prayers. For it's, God is very simple. Why are you It is a revelation. God is mean that this is a way. If you have your own way, you are worshiping yourself. It's up to you. No one can stop you, but be sure you are making an idol called me, and I'm worshiping me. I'm not worshiping the true God anymore. So, if you move on to the Eucharist. The Holy Eucharist is the actual experience of all Christians led to communion with God the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit through Christ the Son. You see your communion as such, you are in the life of the Holy Trinity. You are not separated from God. You are restored as a person, you are restored in the divine family, the eternal family. As far as the end of the creed, I think this is your next discussion, we look for the direction of the dead. We are waiting for a second life. But it's not going to start, it's starting now. Because we started a divine life, eternal life. Who is present in the word of the gospel and in the possible for meal of his body and blood eating in the remembrance of him. The very moment of the divine liturgy towards the Father through Christ the world, the Lamb in the power of the Holy Spirit is the living sacramental symbol of our eternal movement and towards God the blessed Trinity. Again, each worship in the church, each way of me or any means of grace is towards the eternal Trinity again. So if we comprehend your, your Eucharist, your communion as such, are you going to complete? Are you going to miss it one week because you have a birthday for your child or for your friend or because you are tired? I have a divine appointment to partake and participate in the divine life of God. When we ignore it or when we minimize it to just I'm used to go with my parents when I was young and they are pushing me to go when I am old. So I have to go just to stop them nagging at me. No. It's here what is offered to us. A divine life with the whole Trinity. Even your prayer. When you think of prayer, you think it's just two minutes, tell him what you want. Thank you for what you have given me, and I need more. This is my prayer. Or don't overburden me with prayer. God is so simple. Yes, God is so simple. Christian is the revelation of the Trinity accomplished within the third person of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Many can call God our Father only because of the Son who has taught them and enabled them to do so. Just to say, our Father. It means you are uniting yourself with the Son Jesus Christ. And you called His Father your Father. You are enjoying the love of the Father to the Son, as we spoke early this morning. And you can't profess Jesus as Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So just by saying, Our Father, we profess the Trinity. When we sign ourselves with the cross, we are believing and expressing our belief in the Incarnation. He came from the Father sent the Son to the womb of Virgin Mary. And we believe in His resurrection because we profess Him as Lord Jesus Christ, as the Son of God. We profess that the Holy Spirit is indwelling in me and working in me. 
But the true prayer of a Christian is not the calling out of our souls in earthly isolation to a faraway God. It is the prayer in us of the Divine Son of God, made to His Father, accomplished in us by the Holy Spirit who Himself is also divine. Do you believe that? Shekhele, one of the church fathers said something very nice. said, your weak prayer can pray for a few minutes. Before the Father, it is exactly like the prayer of Jesus Christ before the Father. How? I'm not alone. I'm in the Son. So my prayer in the Son is equal to the prayer of the Son to the Father. Your weak fast in the Son is equal to the Son, the fast of the Son in front of the Father. I'm not trying to complicate, I'm trying to simplify it. You can't live a life not Trinitarian and say, I'm a Christian. You are missing something very big, and the bag is getting huge every day. Well, we see in our group that the need to know about the Trinity uh, and the meaning of it and the relate to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is not because God will be offended if we don't. I'm a loser. Exactly. It's because we need to mature in our relationship and we need to relate to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit because that makes us live eternal life and enjoy all these blessings and gifts. Mm-hmm. It's our need to mature in the relationship, not that the God will be yes. upset to right? Yes. Also, we said in our group as well, just to summarize, that uh, if, if you were following a vague God, uh, um, it would be, you would fall into uh, sectarianism. Yes. Uh, God is not an idea, it's, it's a person you relate to. Yes. The second comment, sometimes I, I give up of my life, I'm bored with my life. But if you do that, you are eternal. At the end of the age, Christ will come in the glory of God the Father, and He will make the Father known throughout all creation. The Holy Spirit will fill all things and enable all to be in union with God through Christ for eternity. Again, He has the presence and the action of the Holy Trinity. If you believe that you are not earthly human being, your life is not 60 or 70 or 100 years. It's eternal. How are you going to think? Sometimes you are very excited because you are going to travel somewhere after a month or six months or you're going to marry after a year or whatever it is. What about your eternity? When you believe in the second coming, we are living this eternity waiting for the coming of Him who is going to unite us with this life eternity. Since the saying, we all say, beloved brethren, to remember and to know that when we call God Father, we ought to act as God's children. Why? Because He has one Son, Jesus Christ. And we are all hiding in Him, uniting with Him in each and every liturgy, in each and every communion. That's why the Church has the summit of its worship in the Eucharist. Not because it's a good habit to go to Sunday Church, no. Is only during the Eucharist. And that's why when the church or any church, not our church, is missing the Eucharist, it's missing the Trinity. It's not only a rituals of Sunday, it's missing the Trinity. Because you are not going to be united with the Holy Trinity virtually. I believe in the Son. He died for my sins, so what? But I am united myself with the Son in actual fact, as we see it in the moment. 
This is what we say in the liturgy of Saint Basil. Again, it's the practice of our practical belief in the Trinity. I'm sure you know, but let the Holy Spirit open it more for us. Because first you are master to partake of your Holy unto the purification of our souls, our bodies, and our spirits, that we may become one body and one spirit, to be like you. Just pray four times in John chapter 17, that they may be one, as we are one. You need to live the unity of the three persons in the one Godhead. I'm praying for you. This is what was in his mind for each one of us and for each family, for each church, just a few hours before giving himself to the cross. I'm saying it's, it's not a big deal. We are fighting at home every day. We are fighting with each other, with extended families, with friends at church. It's not a big deal. I'm right. We are wrong. No. That we may have become one body and one spirit, and may have a share and inheritance with all the saints. And here is very, very serious. If you don't accept this oneness, you miss the inheritance. You you lose your eternity in another way. Looks very sharp, but it's very clear. We are doing all these things that we may have a share and inheritance with all the saints who have been you since the beginning. And then we pray after that immediately we pray for the one holy Catholic of it's the oneness of the church. Unfortunately, nowadays many are not keen on this oneness. Again, it's a practical denial of the Trinity. The Lord is telling us, I'm praying that you may be one, as we are one. Four times in his last prayer, tell us what you do in the Eucharist, what we do in the liturgy, is a Trinitarian. And when we reject it, we are losing everything. That's why it starts with the Holy Kiss. The anaphora in the liturgy starts with the Holy Kiss to tell us one thing. Through the Holy Kiss, I admit and accept the oneness of each and every member, not in this church only, but over to even those who died from, and I was in a relationship with him in a way or another. So it's very serious. Let me finish with you in a few minutes. First thing is, we have a door, and then we have a way. And this door is our baptism. And the way is our Eucharist. And day one, when we were baptized, we were integrated in the family of God. Are born again of water and spirit. We restored or received a full restoration of the personhood. Now I can be a person again, related to one another and in fellowship with God. As St. John told us at the beginning of this sermon today. And here what happens in each liturgy. I'm not going home alone anymore. Think of it of the gap. If you believe that as two pieces of wax fuse together to make one, so he who receives the Holy Communion is so united with Christ that he is in Christ and Christ in him. What does it mean? He is living a divine life in a fellowship with the Holy Trinity through Christ. So can you say I'm alone? I'm weak? I can't resist such, such temptation? All of them became lies. I can't wake up early to go to church. Very childish for the city. I'm going to be in the divine life and 
But I feel it's too early for me. Let me go just before the gospel. Or even just before the communion. You, are, you don't know what you are doing. You are separating yourself from the mind of the church, from the body of Christ, and making your own rule. You are worshipping your own idol, who makes it much easier for himself. You are making your own standards, which is totally away from the standards of God. Again, united with Christ, that He is in Christ and Christ in Him. It makes every single thing totally different. It's not again that I have a gap, but I have one reality. That's why there's an Arabic song, and we have to read about it because it says, I have a new existence. And he's talking about two status of life. But in Christ, we don't have two status. We don't have a gap. Either you are in Him or not in Him. You are in Him and struggling fine. You are not in Him and you feel that you are good as you are. This is a really serious problem. Through the Holy Eucharist, the faithful eat and drink the life of Christ. And we explained earlier this morning what is the life of Christ. Again, in each temptation, in each battle, you are not alone anymore. And this is the perfect Christianity according to Christ's will. The most perfect rule of Christianity, its exact definition, its highest soul, is this. To seek what is for the benefit of all. St. John Christophe said, I cannot believe that it is possible for a man to be saved if he does not labor for salvation of his neighbor. He can't imagine it. But someone calling and said, I'm a Christian, but I will not go there. Sometimes even with my wife to go to church or to confess or not. Or my parents or my brother or sister. He cannot believe it. Such are the practical implications of the dogma of the Trinity. That is what it means to the Trinity. There is no separation. To the point, at one point, that St. John Christon said, if you are in the church, and you that Mr. X or Mrs. Y used to be beside you and you didn't see him, leave the liturgy and go and bring him or her. You can't. You can't live this life rejecting the Trinity but coming to church to have communion, to show that I'm better than you all. It's totally different. And he is what said, we should in a minute, but to say it again. To share, are you a sharer or not? To share in the inheritance. It is every liturgy. A share of the inheritance. You are not watching those who are going to share the inheritance of the saints. You are called to be part of it, a participant in it. Saint Emmaus, again, one of the church fathers who lived between 120 and 202, one of the early church fathers, was a direct disciple of Saint Polycarp, who was a disciple of Saint John. The beloved. The spiritual man shall also judge those who give a rise to schism. And again, ask yourself schism in your own family, schism in your own church, in your own small ministry of your serving God, who are destitute of the love of God and who look to their own special advantage rather than to the unity of the church. And who, or for trifling reason, or any kind of reason which occurs to them, cut in pieces and divide the great and glorious body of Christ. Sometimes it's, it's 
normal to have stress. No, it's very abnormal. It's, again, you are coming an individual. You reject your restored personhood. You are practically denying the unity that you are put to be in the Trinitarian love. And here what St. Augustine adding again. I'm not putting more quotes in front of you, but to show the reality of what we have. I, Christ, am the food of full-grown men for you and for me. Grow and you shall feed on me, but you shall not change me into your own substance as you do with the food of your body. And instead, you shall be changed into me. You see the reality and the beauty of the calling. You are going to be changed to be me. To have a new divine life, new part of the mission. Of course, it is through grace by adoption. Through grace by adoption. It's very important. All what Christ has is by nature. All he's going to bestow upon us through grace and by adoption. And let me conclude everything with this one. The life begins with the Trinity. Jesus told us that heaven begins here on earth. The kingdom of heaven is here among you and told us we are not far from it. The life of God begins to be experienced here. This is our calling. This is the aim of our discussion today. Heaven is not a current dangled in front of us. Heaven is not the reward at the end of the road of pain, trial and suffering. Heaven begins when we discover ourselves. When we discover each other, when we begin to live a Trinitarian life with others, when we begin to live in the communion with others, that is God's. Isn't that what Holy Communion is all about? Is what all the church believe about? Why we are coming, all of us, on Sunday for the Communion? To experience heaven, to start to begin to enjoy this new life. One final word, more applications. Because again, we are not saying it is just one thing, it is everything. Trinitarian life is the life of the church. All of us suffering from all these ten things, there may be more. The solution is Trinity, the Trinity life. Selfishness, I'm living as individual. I need to see my restored personhood through the Trinity life. Gossiping, I am not seeing others as part of me. Condemning others, same thing. Never volunteered any acts of genuine love. Why? Because it's not my business. Why I have to do it? He forgot that he is in Christ, self-sacrificing himself for everything. Stubbornness, disobedience, not seeking self-sacrifice of these, but seeking honesty and perfection in every aspect. I have my own standards. God is not everything in my life. All this, and you can add more. The solution is the Trinity in life. That's why I'm sure you heard a lot about the Trinity. And we can have list of verses from all this to say, here is the Trinity. And list from the audience, here is the Trinity. And church father quotes, and even from the Jewish rabbis, words of affirmation, there is a Trinity. But what? For what? Do we live it or no? So may, maybe our concern was in the past, we need verses to prove the Trinity. We need quotes from the Jewish father. We have a lot. But why we have this and we don't have the life itself? And vice versa. I heard it from many people and even it's recorded in many church fathers. 
If you are living the last three days of life, we don't need to preach the thing. We would, like to, we would like to live like you. Whatever you have is true and is right. But because we failed to present the life of the Trinity, it became a stumbling block to their minds. Because it's not little. If uh, you remember, I shared with you the story of Father John Meindorf, as I concluded his wife. He was in the States in 1956. And he sent a letter to one of his friends. He was a monk in Mount Azus. And he was telling him, we would like to flourish orthodoxy in America. What is your advice? He gave him two advice. The first one, he told him, make a good, establish a good, strong monastic life. Why? Because you are going to teach them certain theology. If they can see it lived, then it's true. If it's not lived, then see whatever you want, we are not going to believe you. And second thing, told them, teach the right theology. Because when you teach the wrong theology, the church at best is a church of activities. We have many activities. But when you teach the right theology, it's a church of being and becoming. And he, this is what he did. He established a very strong monastic life and he started to teach wrong theology. And this is the need of each and every local church. Teach the right theology to give to the community the good example that what we preach is doable, livable, if you can say it, we can live it, and we can express it to the whole creation. Is a good Lord Jesus Christ be with you from now and forever. Any comments or questions?